Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. I do believe there's another side. I really do. I, I believe that you can open the door and cross over into another world and experience another life. I believe in ghosts. I believe that there is another, there's something else out there other than us. I moved from Australia to Los Angeles and I was shooting the TV show Alias at that point. And then word was going around town that the casting for Kathy Lutz in the Amityville Horror remake was you know, up for grabs and every big actress wanted the part. It was based on a true story. Um, every actor loves a true story because you really get involved. Um, with the narrative and MGM and the producers sort of agreed that I would be the lead opposite Ryan Reynolds and I was excited and then I started to research the story of the Amityville Horror and I was like oh my gosh it's a, it's a haunting story about what really happened 30 years ago Ronald DeFeo believed he heard voices <laughs> 3.15 in the morning, he would wake up with this voice telling him to kill his family. And he did. George and Kathy Lutz moved into this home and that's the story we know today as the Amityville Horror. And I play Kathy Lutz, Ryan Reynolds played George Lutz. And what happened was they moved into this beautiful, idyllic home. Everything was perfect with their little kids. And George Lutz started to wake up also like Ronald DeFeo at 3.15 on the dot every morning with voices in his head telling him to kill his family. legend goes this family fled the house after 28 days of being in his home and they were never to return not even for one possession 2004 the location manager sets about uh, with the start of every movie to find what was a close match for the DeFeo Lutz family home tens of thousands of dollars later um, they they built the facade to replicate the Amityville Horror House. I mean, it was exactly, you, you couldn't tell the homes apart. I mean, it even had a boathouse on the lake, like the Amityville Horror House. It was a small lake in Wisconsin. 
And we were staying in uh, the neighborhood of Salem, which was also weird because Salem was where Ronald DeFeo grew up. But the producer said to me, would you like to see the home? And I said, no, I don't want to see the home. I, I have no desire. Uh, when you roll the camera and it's the first time my character sees the home, that's when I want to see the home. I got to set and I had made my trailer to be so far away and I remember we were sitting in the car, sort of like a beaten up old Chevy wagon, which was their family car, and we had a camera attached to the, to the hood of the car that was witnessing my reaction for the very, very first time of seeing this home. And you see this shot of me driving up with Ryan in the car. And I felt cold. It was exactly the same as the Amityville Horror House. There was no difference. Scary eyes, the window up the top that looked like eyes just watching you. From that moment on, my reaction of seeing that home, it, it took, I felt the blood drain out of my face. It wasn't just a set, it wasn't just a costume I was wearing, it wasn't just a feeling. I got to set the next day. And the director and producer said, you know, cast and crew, please gather around. We have some news for you. Kathy Lutz um, suddenly died this morning. She was at home and she stopped breathing. I thought, okay, I'm portraying Kathy Lutz, this amazing woman, um, you know, who, who fled the house. We're replicating the story. And she's so young, she's 57 years old, and said she just stopped breathing. And we're all very, very sad. And so I walked into the home. And I sat down in the corner. I just sat there with my script. Very sad to, to know that she will never see the way I portrayed her life. And I just felt this gush of cold air, like icy, icy cold air. And it wasn't, it was a sunny day outside. The, the home was warm and it was icy cold. And I was thinking about Kathy Lutz and I started to think about George Lutz, her husband. I walked out of the room. The icy cold patches were so distinct. It was almost like a thing. It was just like this, this mass of cold air that would follow you anywhere I went. And we all knew the legend of or the story about George Lutz and the icy cold patches. When he was waking up at 3.15 in the morning, one of the first things he noticed when he was waking up was, was just freezing. I mean, you, you just get the, the home would get icy cold. That was, that was enough for me. 
The day of Kathy Lutz's death, all the crew members started to witness lights turning on and off. At one point, a window opened, uh, the door opened. We, we felt like there was a force. Things were just rolling off the table. People felt like they were being pushed. It's documented in the production notes that some of the crew members would fall down. It was like a force would push them down. That night, long after we wrapped, security saw a shadow moving through the house and up the stairs, and the lights were flickering on and off. We called the sheriffs to come along. I looked around. nothing to be found and by this point we were freaked out I mean the crew the cast we were all freaked out and I thought okay this is great I'm gonna use it I'm gonna I'm gonna use all this feeling I'm gonna make it feel really real but you know this is crazy it's like a, a haunted story shooting in a haunted house this happened day after day after day and one day I was in the kitchen and I was alone. I was reading my, my script notes. And I saw just like a shadow. My eyes did a double take. It, it, it felt like almost like a, a body crossing the, the, the doorway. And I just a shiver. And I walked down the hall. And I saw it. A shadow. Like a blur. I saw it. For real. And I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. It was that I was being followed by an evil spirit. Then I needed a break. I um, I, I wasn't dealing very well. I was devastated by the fact that Kathy Lutz had passed. So I went home and uh, I was alone. My husband was away and uh, I went to bed. At 3.15 in the morning, I woke up. No alarm, and I felt sick. And uh, I got to work the next morning, and I told some of the actors, and they said, yes, we've been waking up at 3.15 also. Couldn't wait for the day that this movie was over. I just wanted to go back to my life. And we were getting ready to shoot a scene, and it's a scene in the movie where my little girl, played by Chloe Moretz, 
was um, had just been climbing on top of the roof and the scene takes place on the porch and I am screaming at my child. It was starting to not feel like it was just acting anymore. It just started to feel like it was it was really happening to me for real. And I went into the room just to get into the motion. I felt that there was hands on my neck. I felt like somebody's hands were on my throat. Strangling me, taking the air out of the room, out of my throat. I couldn't breathe. And I remember the director saying, are you okay? was just choking me. I don't know who it was. I just I I don't know if I can do this anymore. Ronald DeFeo really murdered his family. George Lutz and Kathy Lutz believed that this really happened to them. And now it was really, it was really happening to me. I felt like my head was going to explode. I was like, oh my God, I hope I don't die from making this movie. And I was just terrified. And the blood vessels in my face and around my eyes started to burst. I had bruised lids, cheeks, around my nose, my, my, my lips and my chin. You could just see the vessels in my face break. And it was almost like I was just being strangled. It looked like I was possessed. It wasn't just the acting, it wasn't just the screaming. It was, suff- I was suffocating. This was the scariest moment of my life. This was the, the work of an evil spirit. The spirit of, of the DeFeos coming to haunt this set, I am almost positive of it. I mean, it was the spirit conjured up by the, the amityville horror. You can see it. I never wanted to go back to that again. In my life, will I ever go back to feeling that, 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 that fear? I was so distraught, I needed help. I needed to talk to somebody. It really messed me up. And I watched that movie back, and I'm so proud of the performance because it was so real. It wasn't, there was not one scene in that movie that I faked. I was living it for what it was. I was living, I was Kathy Lutz and the Amityville Horror House. This is Shannon in Abu Dhabi, and you are listening to RPA, Real Paranormal Activity, with my good friend, Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, September 11th, 2023, episode 304. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in a hot seat. And as far as announcements are concerned, if you guys haven't known, we have two new shows. The first one is Hilton Live Paranormal News that comes out on Mondays, which I think we already released uh, two episodes. I'm not sure. Just take a look. And then the second one is Soul Stories, which releases on the first Thursday of the month 
but it's bi-monthly. And we already released one of those. So check them out. And as always, the usual. Tuesdays is Aaron's Horror Show. Wednesdays is Terry's Mysterious Moments. And of course, Fridays, two new entertaining short films. And man, the fall weather is here and you know what that means. Halloween is coming up. Can't wait. Get ready for it. And of course, we're going to do listener stories today. So let's get the show on the road. And you guys know what that means. Oh yeah, come on. Say it with me. Say it with me. That's right too. The story then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving. And the fans are still going. Nice and cool in here. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner. Don't forget about the popsicles. We're almost out. Eat them up while we still have them. Find an empty spot on the floor. And as always, I'm going to get behind my desk here and get comfortable. All right. And I print off Bridge Packet. Let's see what stories she sent us. Alright. Uh, we got uh, we got some medium ones and we got a long one. Okay. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So good when it hits the lips. Alright, the first one. This one is titled Babysitting. And it's by Cricket. Okay, Cricket. Let's see what you got, man. When I was 17 years old, I babysat a lot. I can vividly remember this one babysitting experience. This sounds extremely cliche, but it was on a dark and stormy night. I was watching this little girl named Sabone. She was a sweet little girl and her parents were supposed to be back well after midnight. So Sabone and I sat and watched TV, played games, typical activities for when you're babysitting. One of Sabone's friends came over to play, and since it was raining outside and it was really cold and was also dark, we wound up playing hide-and-seek. Since I was the oldest, it was my duty to seek them first. So, I counted to 20 when they went to hide. Keep in mind, these were two little girls who couldn't keep from laughing, so they gave away their hiding positions pretty quickly. After I was done counting, I saw the door at the end of the hall moving like there was someone behind it. I automatically assumed that there were two little girls hiding. So I walked down the hall and I made a show of saying, "Uh, Gee, I wonder where they are. I figured I had wasted enough time pretending to look for them when I already knew where they were. Behind that door that kept moving. So I walked quietly to the door and I stepped into the room and I looked behind it and I said, gotcha. I was completely taken aback when I saw there was no one there. And the laughter I had been hearing wasn't coming from the two girls because the two little girls decided to hide on the opposite side of the house. I quickly found the two girls and I told them that playtime is over and that we were just going to sit and watch TV. Sabone's friend had to go home a half hour later, so after her friend left, it was just Sabone and I in the house alone. I decided it was time for Sabone to go to bed because it was already way past her bedtime, so I put her into her bed and I went into the living room to study for a test. I kept hearing what sounded like a door open and I thought Sabone was trying to come out to get a glass of water or to say she couldn't sleep. I was waiting for the typical excuse from a kid, but Every time I checked on Sabone, she was sound asleep. So anything I was hearing wasn't coming from her. 
she wasn't the cause. Her parents finally got home a little after midnight, and when Sabone's dad was driving me home, I told him what had been happening and what I had experienced, and he said that he had experienced the same thing, and he had purposely not told me anything to see if my experience would be the same as his. I can honestly say that was the most creepiest and scared I have ever been. Thank you. And that was from Cricket. Cricket, thank you very much for sharing. Man, that's a great story. And yeah, I I love it when things like that happen. There's a third party that experiences the same thing. Or in this case, they didn't tell you anything just to see if they were going crazy or they're just imagining things. (laughs) Pretty cool. All right. Thank you again, Cricket. All right. What's next? What do we got? This one is titled Out of Body Experience. And it's by Jasmine. Okay, Jasmine, let's see what you got, man. This is a story of mine about an out-of-body experience that my grandfather had while I was sleeping over. Now, it wasn't me who had an out-of-body experience, but my grandfather. However, I was sleeping over when it happened. Also, my grandfather comes from Trinidad and has seen many unexplainable paranormal things. And he also never lies. He's the most serious person I've ever met But considering the upbringing he had and the things he has seen, I don't blame him. So, I was sleeping in my aunt's room when I heard my grandfather screaming, Jasmine! Help Jasmine! Honestly, my grandfather is super weird, so I figured whatever it was, he was probably okay and went back to bed. Also, I was half asleep and wasn't sure if I really heard him calling me for help, so, so I said to myself, I'll wait to see if he calls again. I know I should have probably got up and checked right away, but it really creeped me out. That morning, I woke up and went to the kitchen and found my grandfather sitting at the table. I asked him if he called my name last night, and if he did, why? His response will forever give me the chills. He told me he was having an out-of-body experience, which has happened to him before, and even my mother. But, this time, it wasn't like the others. He went on to explain that he woke up floating towards the ceiling and saw himself sleeping in the bed. He said as he was floating, he felt an overwhelming feeling of uneasiness and that someone was watching him. He told me something was urging him back to his body. So, he did. When he did, he woke up immediately and that's when he began to yell for me. When he opened his eyes, he saw the spirit of a man staring at him through his second floor window. No balcony, second story dropped to the ground. And he told me the look in the spirit's eyes was cold. He said right away he knew why he felt so uneasy and why he felt an urge to go back to his body. He believes that that spirit was there because my grandfather had left his body and his body was vulnerable to the spirit. I'll never forget how scared I felt after hearing his story. I never slept over there again. Thank you for reading. Oh man, that's from Jasmine. Jasmine, great story. Yeah, I like out-of-body experiences. They're pretty interesting along with uh, near-death experiences. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And yeah, you know, your uh, grandfather may be right. Might have been some danger there. 
some other spirits are always lurking around and when you cross over they might be watching you who knows thanks again all right what's next what do we got this one is by reframe and it's titled empty school okay reframe let's see what you got man Lorne Ave Public School was an active primary school until June of 2016. It is a large three-story building of 1950s vintage, or right around there. The school board closed the school due to declining enrollment and sold the property to the City of London last summer. It now languishes in limbo until a final decision can be made as to its future. While some organizations have made proposals for the building as is, it seems more and more likely that it will be demolished to make way for additional parkland in the area. In the meantime, we keep the heat on and maintain the building in case a reasonable proposal is accepted for the building's use. I work on the maintenance team for the City of London and Lorne Avenue Public School is one of the buildings that I primarily look after. I go there daily to check on the heating, fire, and electrical systems. There is also a 24-7 security presence as the school had been broken into twice before this and all of the extinguishers set off. The security guards have reported various odd occurrences while there. One guard heard footsteps in the first level hallway outside of the room. They have made their base of operations. When he checked on this, there was nobody attached to them. Shortly after the event, the mobile security unit was checking in on the guard when the footsteps started again. The two guards went in opposite directions through the hallways and all three floors, but could find no person in the building. This happened again the next day. By the way, all classrooms are locked, strictly limiting hiding spots for anyone that breaks in. Another guard heard girls singing together, like in a small choir. He thought these sounds may have been coming from outside, but it was 1 a.m. on a wintry night. He checked inside and outside and could find no normal reasons for the sounds, which subsided after less than a minute. A guard heard the voices of girls talking, but again could not find the source. One afternoon, while I was on the third floor, I was walking from one mechanical room to another, down the school's longest hallway about 150 feet down the hall I heard a fairly loud click beside my right ear and then whispering by two male voices for several seconds it stopped me in my tracks I knew I was alone up there and had a pretty good idea that what I heard was supernatural on another occasion I was doing mechanical checks in the building and invited the security guard to accompany me I made no excuses as to why I asked him along and told him plainly that the place gave me the heebie-jeebies. He liked the idea as he then would have company on his rounds as he also had odd feelings about the place. On the landing between the second and third floors, I suddenly became cold on my torso and arms. I said to the security guard, Do you feel... And that is all I got out because he said, word for word, what I was about to say. Suddenly cold in her torso and arms, he walked around on the large landing trying to walk in and out of the cold spot but could not find any warm area until we went up a couple of steps toward third floor. When we returned to the landing on our way back down, 
he confirmed my feeling of it now being warm and humid. A few weeks ago, I noticed a third floor window was open. There is absolutely no reason for a window to be open, nor are there people around with access to the classrooms to do this. I asked the guards, and they all denied even entering a classroom. The door to the woman's washroom in the lower level is found open frequently. One of my fellow maintenance workers said he was in there flushing toilets to keep the traps filled with water. When he left, he said he saw the door close behind him, as is normal. When he returned down this hallway a few minutes later, the door was fully open with the door stop folded down. He closed it again, and once again, a short time later, the door was open with the door stop folded down. We leave this door open now. Coincidentally, my daughter knows the person who was the last charged custodian of this school before it closed. She started mentioning that I had experienced a few things at the school. Before my daughter could fill in the story, the custodian asked if we had trouble with the woman's washroom door opening on its own and buzzing or whispering that could be heard in the third floor hallway. While I don't doubt what I experienced, it is still affirming when you get corroboration by a third party when it comes to supernatural occurrences. And man, that was from Reframe. Reframe, thank you very much for sharing. I loved it. Yeah, another great story. I love when, in this case, the whole group of people, a bunch of people, are experiencing things. And then, you know, the last uh, main custodian that was there, you know, he knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, great story. Loved it. Thank you for sharing. And that is it, guys. Man, as always, we're flattered that you come here to the network, and we're glad that you are uh, enjoying what we have here. And don't forget about the two new shows, Hilton Live Paranormal News and Soul Stories. And if you'd like to support the network, just go to the website, realparanormalactivity.com. Become a premium member. There's a big old button there. Press that. Create your own account. $3.99 a month. Cancel anytime. And what you get is all the previous Monday shows, the RPA shows, the listener stories, bonus episodes, interviews, even audiobooks of folklore from countries from around the world. That is it, guys. I'm calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britain, and it's also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh, yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.